What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Dan Favalli. Remember to search Blue Wire Buckets in iTunes or Spotify for more NBA content. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Hardwood Knox Podcast. I am Dan Favalli coming at you with my super duper, incredibly esteemed Awesome times, awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, just absolutely mind-melted from watching the NBA Finals Game 6 co-host Andrew D. Bailey. We have lots to get to on the heels of the Toronto Raptors' first ever NBA championship and the fallout for the Golden State Warriors that's going to come with it. Before we get started, though, I just want to get to our usual housekeeping notes Please continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes. You can also get us wherever else you consume your podcast, but iTunes remains the best way to let us know that you are out there and that we are not yelling into the great void. We're putting in a lot of effort to roll out these pods for you with all of our bad takes, so if you have not, rate, review, subscribe to us. And if you've done all those things, start stealing phones and doing it for people they shall thank you later. If you want to follow us on Twitter, Andy is at Andrew D. Bailey. I am at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E, and the show is at Hardwood Knox. Finally, if you have not checked out the Blue Wire Podcast Network, you're doing something wrong. Great content is being pumped out there daily. The NFL and the NBA are just on lock. So many team-centric podcasts, a lot of great analysts, league-wide takes, we just added Bleacher Report's Jonathan Wasserman, Wasserman to do uh, the, the lottery podcast about the draft. So certainly check that out if you haven't. And be sure to follow Blue Wire on Twitter as well, at Blue Wire Pods. With all of that out of the way, we now get to the question that everyone loves to hear answered. Andy, how the hell are you doing? I'm doing okay. Um, I'm, I'm a, my heart is a little bit... Uh, down like we were talking about right before we started recording the the clay thompson news was really <laughs> unfortunate it i you know i don't want to take away from what the raptors did last night but what a crazy series and what a just awful way for it to finish at least for the warriors we'll get more into that later but uh me personally i'm fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh, and we really need to just talk about the finals in general, but just the one thing that I did not see happening. So you have, I knew Kevin Durant, we knew Kevin Durant was absent leading into the finals, that there's a chance he might not play. But between him having the Achilles injury and then the actual surgery itself, between Kevon yeah. Moody dealing with like the the fractured or removed ribs, I don't, I feel like he's missing ribs now at this point. <laughs> and then Clay Thompson suffers a torn ACL on his left knee. There's the image of him in Game Six walking out of the tunnel as he's headed to the locker room incredible. to come back and hit his free throws. Just absolutely incredible. And then he leaves. Apparently, I don't know if you saw this, but he initially told Steve Kerr he just needs two minutes to to walk. Yeah, it I off didn't see over. that. I didn't see that until later. That, but 
man, what a I didn't, I, crazy warrior. Uh, what a warrior, pun intended. I, it's just unreal. <laughs> the and my point there is, I did not see coming into this, certainly not coming into the postseason in general, but not even coming into the NBA Finals, that the Warriors would turn into this sympathetic figure, where yeah. you where you almost feel bad for them. And that's as someone that had no rooting interest. And the way I put it after game six was over, the Raptors absolutely deserve this title. The Warriors did not deserve to lose. And that's just where I'm sort of at. It's you hate to see. I saw you tweeted that injuries won the 2019 finals. I don't know if I would go that far, but I think it's also certainly a fair opinion to have. And it just sort of sucks that they played such a huge role in determining, let's not even say what the Raptors ultimately accomplished but what we saw from the warriors there we didn't see the warriors we saw a facsimile of golden mm-hmm. state by the end yeah for sure i i'm with you i don't i don't think people should be discrediting um the raptors i think i think my tweet was kind of tongue-in-cheek that's why i put the gif on there with it or just there are no uh, there are no gifs on podcasts so i'm just gonna <laughs> take your your tweets and run with them as hot takes but at the same time, there's no question that injuries played a factor here. Um, anytime a team loses two of its top three scorers, it's going to be affected. And it wasn't just that they didn't have Clay Thompson for this fourth quarter. He missed all of, uh, what was it, game three um, as well. So this this series was obviously impacted by injuries pretty heavily. But that's... <laughs> kind of the nature of the NBA. I, I mean, you could probably point to a bunch of different seasons where injuries were a huge part of the finals. It was just four years ago in 2015 when the Cavs didn't have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. And I think I've seen a lot of people make this point already, but it's a good one. That's why you push your chips in when you have a chance, because you just never know what might happen. So the way that Toronto rolled the dice this summer, and they rolled the dice in, in more than one way, um, they replaced the coach of the year with with a first year guy in Nick Nurse. They made the Kawhi Leonard trade. They went all in again at the trade deadline by moving two you know solid youngish players for Mark Gasol. So they were very daring for this entire last what has it been almost twelve months, um, and it paid off for them. And that's a huge thing. It's not even just the Kawhi trade or that he was on a maintenance program all year, but there was just so many other things that they had to go through. OG Ananobi, who didn't play all postseason because after his emergency appendectomy, but OG Ananobi, Kyle Lowry, Norman Powell, Fred Van Fleet, all missed at least 15 games during the regular season. Before the Mark Gasol trade, Jonas Valanciunas missed a ton of time with that left thumb injury that he had. And then, as you said, you, you turn your roster over for the second time in six months with that Mark Gasol yeah. acquisition. And it wasn't necessarily smooth sailing afterwards. It wasn't even smooth sailing in the playoffs. There was, I wrote this after the game, but you mark Gasol's uh, pendulum swung between passive and present because there were just uh, nights where he didn't want to shoot or didn't play well. And we're talking about his game six in much different terms, or we're talking about his game six at all. If there's a game seven, he had more fouls than points. And, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, he missed all five of his shots. Danny Green went ice cold again over the final three games of the finals, 111 from three, didn't even take a shot in game six. There, This team wasn't – it just wasn't easy for them. And you look at it and what kind of transpired at the beginning of the finals, there might be a t- this 
this, I don't know, impulse to say that they got lucky or that it needs to be an asterisk, but they just dealt with so much shit by themselves. And to win a title in year one of this type of experiment, where you do make those midseason changes, where you are dealing with injuries, where the crown jewel of your offseason isn't even fully healthy. I mean, Kawhi was basically playing on, like, I'm going to say 0.75 legs by the end of the yeah. playoffs, probably. So it's just, it's absolutely. It's absolutely incredible, and I'm very interested to see if Leonard decides to come back in free agency, whether this makes it more likely that he returns, even if it's on a short-term deal, or if there's kind of this sense of finality where I got them a championship, I owe them nothing after helping them get everything, and it makes it easier for him to leave because so many people have had him LA-bound, namely to the Clippers, for so long. But if he comes back, this is a team that... They're a contender next year, and you look at all the cap space they could have in 2020. I did the math uh, last night. This is rough math, but if they don't extend Siakam and they just work with his cap hold um, and you have Leonard on the books, you'll also only have your draft pick, assuming you keep it, Norman Powell and OG Ananobi. They have lines to more than $50 million in max in, in cap space in, in 2020. Probably not the year to maybe have that much spending power, but you might be able to bring back Lowry or Gasol, assuming he opts in on on cheaper deals, and still have room to sign a, a max level player. So this is this might actually be the start of something, or these Raptors might actually have more staying power than I think most people believe they do. Absolutely. I mean, if he comes back, I think they're a, they're a no brainer contender, especially with the Warriors <laughs> decimated for I. Probably all of next season, uh, definitely most of next season. Uh, I, I actually had to finish up a Bleacher Report piece. I didn't. I, I just decided to finish it up right after the game last night because one of the slides was about Kawhi Leonard, and it was uh, what's the best fit for him in free agency and what's the worst fit. And to me, Toronto was definitely the best fit. Um, <laughs> if it's if it's about you know, basketball fit and title contention, you're hard pressed to find anything around the league that's as ready made for that as Toronto is. Um, they're they're going to have everybody back next season. It's already one of the deepest teams in the league. Um, they've, they let him do the load management thing all season. And that was, that was obviously helpful for him. He's the clear number one there. Um, I'm not, I mean, if he goes to the Clippers, he'll probably be that too, but there are some other rumored destinations out there where that might not be the case. Um, Toronto just, it seems like a great, great place (laughs) for him. Now, having said that, I was also asked on a radio hit right after the game, what do you think? Does this make it more, more likely that he stays? And I honestly just have no idea. Um, by the way, Kawhi likes it too. He definitely just laughs at all the speculation behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, I feel like I have at least a little bit of a read on a lot of these free agency situations. I mean, at the end of the day, we we all know uh, nothing basically about where these guys are going to go, unless it's Kyrie Irving and you sign with Rock Nation or whatever he's up to. Um, but w- especially with Kawhi Leonard, it just seems more unpredictable than most guys. He's just the fact that he's a robot makes him a little bit more difficult to read. So I have no idea what he's going to do. I can see the arguments for people who say, yeah, he, he just got him a title. He doesn't owe him anything. He can go. I also see the arguments for 
these guys just went through a lot together. They obviously developed a lot of chemistry over the year. Uh, that video of him and Kyle Lowry right before the Rachel Nichols video that surfaced last night was really cool. It looks like they have a lot of good relationships in place there. So I wouldn't be shocked um, either way. I feel like that's kind of a <laughs> kind of a stock answer for me on the podcast at times. But but with him, it's especially true. I just have no idea what he's going to do. There was the report from True Hoop. This was, I think, it was leading into the finals or during the finals that they had heard he might come back on a on a short term deal. I just, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like you said, I, I don't know that you can make a prediction for him. If I was forced to choose right now, I, I would think he comes back. I will say this: if he leaves now, and I was saying this even when they made the finals, he was never coming back, and that's fine. Yeah. But then there was nothing that the Raptors could do to keep him because I don't know what else you would have been able to do in year one. You Right now, you literally can't do anything else. You, you won the title. And he's now the – joins LeBron and Kareem as just the second player to uh, win finals MVPs with multiple teams. Mm-hmm. And it, look, it's his it's his right to leave. He's earned the right to choose. It's just – and there's, there's probably a closure here for the Raptors no matter what happens because they knew that this was the gamble coming in. And if you won a title because of it, then that – that works out for you. There's a part of me that thinks, though, I, again, if I was forced to choose, I would think he would come back. And my, my question then would be, is there a better basketball fit out there for him right now? Is there a spot where he could go, um, even if it involves teaming up with another star, where you can say he'll have as good of or better of a chance of winning a title next year than he would with the Raptors? I, no, I don't think so. I, I do think Toronto is probably the best basketball fit for him of any of the teams in free agency. I know the Warriors are, I mean, they're basically off the table for next season. Um, Stephen Curry's incredible, but we saw how limited that team is when it's just him. And it's going to be just him for long portions of next season. I, no disrespect to Draymond Green. He's obviously fantastic too. So it's going to be Curry and Green, but even that is tough. Now, even with them kind of off the table, the West is still going to be crazy. There, there are going to be so many good teams in the West. I'm not sure Kawhi Leonard being on the Clippers instantly makes them a contender. Denver is going to be really good. I think Utah will be very good. The Lakers, if they get Anthony Davis, are going to be ridiculous. Um, the, the West is going to be a bloodbath, even with the Warriors so severely limited. Um, the East is going to be good too. I think the 76ers are, are on the way up. Uh, I think the bucks are going to be right there, but I, to me, it's going to be an easier path to the finals if he stays with the Raptors, uh, than, than if he goes anywhere else in the West. So on top of just the, you know, direct fit with him in Toronto, I, I think there's a benefit to staying in the Eastern conference too. So basketball wise, that's that's the best fit to me. I just don't know if that's the number one priority. There's, I, it's just really hard to know that right now. Yeah, there's, and I don't even think we're we're not going to know anything until he makes his decision too. Yeah, just the other thing. I think you could at least say that the Clippers would be in the mix with him, or that any team maybe in the West would be in the mix with him, just because of what the Warriors look like now. Yeah, and, and that's like I still think they'd probably need at least one more guy. You don't think Kawhi and Gallo is a dynasty? <laughs> I do love Gallo. You know that. I, I, I don't. I wouldn't. If you had to make a prediction for him, like I forced myself to choose. If you had to pick, and not even saying a team, is it stay or go? What would you guess he does? If if yeah, if forced, I'd probably say stay. But it's like fifty five forty five. And also, are it's, we caught up in the moment of them making the finals and then winning the finals? 
Yeah, but it's a big moment, and it's it's not one that anyone has ever really turned away from. Um, I, I I know people have gone through this, but there's never been a number one guy who won a title and then left, right? Uh, no, I think the closest I think we come to that is LeBron leaving Miami and Cleveland after making the finals. Yeah, but nobody who was like the clear main guy, right? Winning a title and then leaving—at least not off the top of my head—I might have to like comb through the list of title winners, but I don't—I don't, I just don't think it's ever happened. Yeah, no, nothing springs to mind for me there. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. Time-consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. And right now, Hardwood Knox podcast listeners can try ShipStation free, free, for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card information. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including the United States Post Office, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E, ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. There's a bunch of cool stories with this Raptors team, though. I um, Let's take a minute on Kyle Lowry. How many years has it been now that there was this... <laughs> Kyle Lowry's a playoff choker. Um, Kyle Lowry's a regular season player. I guess it's kind of the same thing I just said there. But to me, that was that was one of the more um, exciting things to see was for him to finally shake off those those playoff demons, get a title. The Fred Van Vliet stuff with him becoming like <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. After he had his child, I, I looked up the numbers last night. Since the birth of his son, his true shooting percentage was over seventy. Um, and I think it was nine games. So that was a cool story. Pascal Siakam basically coming out of nowhere. I know he was fantastic all season, but nobody knew who this guy was like three or four years ago. Um, Mark Gasol comes from grit and grind where he, he was close a couple times and now he finally gets over the hump. Um, Ibaka getting a title before Harden and Westbrook. Ibaka was so critical during the series too. Yeah. (laughs) He made so many big shots. Um, that I, I just look up and down the roster and there, there are just so many cool stories with this Raptors team there. And just the, the Fred Van Fleet turnaround too, because his regular season was rough relative to last year. And then he wasn't yeah. playing well in the postseason before the birth of his child. So that's just a huge turnaround because he's, I don't know that he was, he was definitely huge for them in game six, but the, how important he became to them in the Eastern conference finals is, remains crazy wild. The Siakam stuff, that's part of the reason why the Raptors end up being such a interesting long-term fit for Kawhi. He's probably going to win most improved player. He received more second-team all-defense votes this year than Leonard did himself. And he was only Leonard, Gallo, and Carl Anthony Towns 
uh, cleared 19 points, seven rebounds, three assists, one made three pointer for 36 minutes with a true shooting percentage north of 60. So the list of is, is Leonard Gallo, Carl Anthony Towns, and, and Siakam. He just he has a, an incredibly bright future. And even shout OG out to Gallo again. Yeah, <laughs> and even OG Ananobi. It's you know we don't see him in the playoffs, but that's yeah. just a nice three and D prospect to have there. Some like the core is not even. You know, you look at Lowry is 33, Gasol is 34, Baca turns 30 in September, but Ananobi's going to turn 22 in July, Van Fleet's only 25, Norman Powell seems like he's 80, but he's still only 26. <laughs> you look at Leonard and then Siakam, who's barely 25, this core isn't terribly old either. Some of the most important pieces are up there, but it's just, when you look at it from a staying power standpoint, I find that to be just an interesting angle they absolutely should bask in the moment and this is i would say this title is vindicating or means more to the career of kyle lowry than anyone else on this roster because of all the things you just said and he just came out ablaze in game six unreal first first quarter yeah Yeah. he was he went supernova and it's just i i know that there were a lot of critiques of his offense and of his shooting and him sort of vacillating between passive and attack mode like we talked about with Gasol but his almost seemed not I want to say it was born from necessity but it was kind of by design where he you know you put him um, alongside Leonard you change the roster up around him Siakam's leap these are all changes and it doesn't work as cleanly as smoothly at all even if Lowry isn't willing to adapt his game to take that step back as a scorer and do what he did as a playmaker this year. And not all of these star type guys are going to commit such a focus on defense if they're not playing so well or as prominent a part of the offense. So there were nights when they needed him to go off and he didn't. There were nights like game six where they needed him to go off and he did. But I have the utmost of respect for how he uh, transitioned himself into this not just the Kawhi era, but again, the Pascal Siakam era and what happened after the Gasol trade. And this all comes after the Raptors traded his best friend. And I know that this is a business, yeah. but the DeMar DeRozan stuff, uh, Lowry and Masai Ujiri seem fine now, but that was a real thing. And yeah. so I, just all the, the props in the world to him and, and how he carried himself functionally this season, including the playoffs. Did You, you saw the quote from Kawhi last night about how he texted Lowry after the trade, right? Um, yes, the, the Kawhi quote. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was so cool that he said, <laughs> I know you're upset, um, but let's go out and make this work and let's do something special. And they obviously did. Um, and again, I, I referenced this video earlier, but if you haven't seen it, I think it's on Rachel Nichols Twitter timeline. Um, right before she interviews those two guys, there's, there's a really cool moment, uh, between both of them. And it looks like they really, grew together over the course of this season. And and like you said, um, he deserves a ton of credit for the step back that he took this season, especially as, I mean, at least as a scorer, uh, I was looking at his numbers while you were talking about him. I knew he was high on assists this season. I didn't realize he averaged 8.7 assists. Um, and for long stretches of his time with Toronto, he was, he was a high scoring guy. We've got, just two seasons ago, he averaged 22.4. The year before that, 21.2. Um, so the step back that he took this season was significant, that that he became more of a distributor. 
did you see the tweet I had about him and, and the wins over replacement player he's put up since he joined Toronto? I did not. Um, so he his first season with the Raptors was 2012-13, which is crazy. That's, that's what, seven seasons? It's been a while. Um, can you guess how many NBA players have more wins over replacement player than Lowry over those seven seasons? I'm going to say three. Oh, a uh, little bit more than that. Harden, LeBron, Westbrook, Curry, Durant, and Paul. That's it. Wow. Um, he, he's been so steady for them since he came over. One of the, I, To me, one of the more underrated players in the league who was unfortunately just marred by this postseason resume uh, that wasn't I, – I, I don't think a lot of it was totally fair. I think he had some no-show games in the playoffs over the years. But by and large, his playoff numbers aren't bad either. So – for him to get this title, uh, like you said, it's a huge vindication for him. And he, he was one of the guys that I was probably most happy for last night. The When Kawhi gives him the trophy, the uh, final Yeah, it was so trophy, cool. And says, enjoy it. You deserve it too. That punched me right in the feels. That was cool. Yeah, for sure. Harry's Razors is helping Blue Wire listeners with a better shaving experience. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Enough with the cheap razors. Go try Harry's now. It's just $3 for our loyal listeners. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your official trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure to go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for only $3. Also punching me in the feels, the Warriors' outlook. Yeah. They, to set this stage, here are the players that are under guaranteed contract next year. Stephen Curry, Draymond Green, Andre Godala. And just FYI, but between those three, uh, that's that takes up seventy five uh, about $76 million of your cap. Jacob Evans, Damian Jones... And then that's basically it. I'm going to also pencil in Alfonso McKinney. He has a 1.6 non-guaranteed salary. So you assume that he'll be back. But Quinn Cook, Jordan Bell, uh, Kevon Looney, Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson. We were at least Kevin Durant. We assume he has that player option. Free agents. DeMarcus Cousins, non-bird free agent. Sean Livingston is on the books for $7.7 million, but... A lot of people think he's going to retire, and if he doesn't, my, my guess might be that the Warriors, or at this point, who knows, but he has a $2 million partial guarantee. So I kind of feel like he won't be back. And then they have their own pick, which is number 29. So um, it's, it, it, it's I, what do they do from here? It's I, Let's start with Kevin Durant. If he opts out and says, I'm coming back if you give me the five-year max, are you giving him the five-year max? Yes, <laughs> but I I hesitate because it's tough. Um, all of this is just so difficult now because I think you probably – Clay Thompson is a no-brainer. You max him out, right? 
Um, I guess, yeah, ACL injuries are not. I was just, yeah, I was actually just talking to somebody in our office about this the other day. It was right after Durant ruptured the Achilles. And I said, you know, this is basically the worst. I mean, barring something catastrophic like a neck or a back broken or something like that, the, the ruptured Achilles is about as bad as it gets for a basketball player. Mm-hmm. And then I said the ACL kind of used to be that way, but it seems like we've more or less figured it out. Not not we, obviously I haven't, the medical community. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, ACL recoveries over the last few years, I, I think for the most part, it seems like guys come back, if not 100% what they were before, like 95%. Um I, I think that we still need some more time and technological advancement and study to figure out, you know, how to help guys fully recover from the Achilles injury. Um, so I think you default to probably re-signing Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson if you can, but it's just such a tough pill to swallow if you're going to take up that amount of your cap and neither one of them are going to play next season. I know a lot of people are saying that Clay might be ready in like February or March, but I think one of the reasons that the ACL recovery is so much better than it used to be is because teams um, and, and medical staffs seem to be way more cautious with the ACL. And they drag out that timeline as long as they can to make sure you're back to 100% full strength on that leg before you do anything with it. So I don't think they'll rush Clay back, especially with what happened with Kevin Durant. And, and, and a lot of people are arguing he was rushed back. So... Yes, I think you probably do max them out, but it's uh, it's almost like you're saying we're we're paying this absurd luxury tax bill just to punt a season. Um, obviously, the owner's going to have some say on that. I've seen some insane numbers. What what will their luxury tax bill be if they max both those guys out? I just depending on how they do they use their non taxpayers minimum exception or they keeping Livingston. It just it gets there are just so many different permutations to it. But is Livingston fully non-guaranteed? Because I see his salary is at least. It was uh yeah, like I said before, it's a two million partial guarantee. Okay, okay. So, I again, my assumption would be a lot of people think he's going to retire. I don't know if losing changes that, and I, a lot of people thought the Warriors would wave him anyway. I don't know if losing Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson changes that. The I think it's their no-brainers. You pay them anyway. But the point you make about them essentially having to punt on a season while paying all that money is really. It's a good point, and it's really tough, tough to stomach. Yeah. That being said, you like Kevin Durant took discounts in his uh, when he opted out and re-signed the past two deals. So it's you have that obligation to him to me, and I'm not going to cry about billionaires yeah. having to pay luxury tax bills. Like that's just not going to happen for me. I'm just wondering. There's a lot of people have pointed to Clay, uh, excuse me, Rudy Gay for the Achilles recovery when looking at Durant and saying that given how well. Gay has recovered, and just the type of uh, shot maker that Durant is, that he should that he should be even more fine after that, and that's probably not terrible logic to look at. Clay, I'm wondering again, ACL injuries aren't these just you know harbingers of doom that they used to be, but given how much he moves off the ball, I'm wondering if it, if it's just concerning for anybody else, or how or more concerning than usual, excuse me, or if because of all he needs to do defensively, um, and, and he's the one who goes up against opposing point guards so often, is it going to be more of a problem? It's just there's so many layers to this. and it's. I I, think I, the, I, what I was going to say is I think the defensive concerns are probably more 
valid. I, I tore my ACL my last year or my second to last year. Yeah, look where you are now. You're podcasting. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I was going to say is for his off-ball movement, I, he does do a lot of cutting. But to me, that's going to be more about just the condition that he's in. I think one of the things that makes him such a good player off the ball is he just never stops moving. And I think he can get that back fairly easily. Um, I think he can probably get back, like I said, maybe 95% of the lateral movement that he had before. That 5% is huge in the NBA. Um, and I'm not ruling out the fact that he can get 100% back. But, yes, I would be a little bit more worried um, about his defensive ceiling coming back. I it, Again, I, I'm not throwing out any sort of definitive prediction there. But, like you said, it is a valid concern. Looking at their – so we're going to assume they're going to pay at least one of – Thompson and Durant, and I'd say they'd pay both if I didn't think that there was still a chance that Durant leaves. So they're going to be a tax team again, or at the very least, if Durant leaves, they're going to be a team. They can probably duck the tax, which is something that I would argue they, they would look to do, um, if, given how much time Clay is going to miss. But they're just not going to have the ability to improve this roster much. They're not set up for trades because uh-huh. Stephen Curry, Green, and Igadala are your highest paid trade eligible players, and everyone after that isn't really great salary matching fodder, nor are they particularly valuable. When you're looking at their free agents, maybe we'll go down the list. Let's, let's play stay or gone. Kevin Durant. I think he's gone. I have, I'm going to pull the U, the classic U and say, I have almost no idea (laughs) at this point. I'm saying my, my gut says he should just opt out, take the five years from the Warriors. But at the same time, there are other teams are going to offer him a four year max. And when you're uh, yeah, that much think, money, if you were going to leave in the first place, I don't know if that changes your heart at all. Yeah. I, I still, the immediate reaction, and I think I might've been guilty of this too, is does this impact his free agency? But I think there are going to be probably more than one team that will oh, offer that. Clippers. I think the only one that you could say would have given him a max before that won't now is the Lakers just because they don't have the leeway to wait. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and or, let's spin it this way. Do you think the way the postseason ended, down to their finals loss and all these injuries, makes it more likely that he comes back? Not more likely than he leaves, but do you think it increases the chances of his return at all? I, I do. I think he's. I think I'm a little bit more conflicted on this than I was even like a week ago. I, I thought it was for sure that he was gone. Um, now I'm a little bit torn. On it, I still think he probably goes, but there's, I, like you said, the chances have increased based on the recent events. I was torn before all the the spate of injuries, where it was just he was clearly essential to this team, and he saw it, and it wasn't that essentiality wasn't going to diminish as time went on. When you look at how old and shallow and expensive they were getting, so I agree with yeah. everything you said on him. Clay Thompson, this is he stays, right? Yeah, he's staying. Do you think he's going to get a, a four year or a five year max? Um. Look, I think can we he be gets, honest? Does this all end with Clay taking a discount on an exclusive? I was going to say, I think he might get, and then they go after Anthony like, Davis in twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to go that far, but I was going to say maybe he signs for, for five and shaves a little bit off the top each year. Um, I don't know. I, I regardless of how they do it, I think he's staying. I mean, the dude walked out on one leg and hit two free throws. You just have to max. The other thing, I was, I was, I'm glad you said that because I was thinking about this th- this morning. Um, when I tore my ACL in college, it was actually before the season started. We were just doing like um, the the quote unquote non organized basketball activities, um, 
and I tore my ACL. I walked home to my apartment that night and it's, it's usually about a five minute walk. It probably took me about 15 minutes <laughs> that night to make the walk home. I knew something was wrong. Uh, you can hear like, there's a reason they say people blow out their knee because you can kind of hear and feel that when it happens. Uh-huh. Um, but long story short, the walk home was like the slowest, longest walk of my life. And I was thinking about that this morning <laughs> that Clay Thompson got halfway down the tunnel and someone told him, Hey, if you don't shoot the free throws, you can't come back in. He turns around, trots back out to the free throw line, makes both. And then he ran back on defense. Um, and then I think it was even after that, he was running around in the tunnel a little bit, trying to get loose. And like you said, he told Steve Kerr, I just need a couple minutes and I'll be back. Um, just incredible level of gutsiness from him last night. It, it was unbelievable. And I, and it's not, you know, he could have not taken those free throws and those are fine. Like he, the dude tore his ACL and was injured. So it's not like, yeah. I don't need to celebrate like the typical masculinity, but the fact that he, uh, said give me two minutes and then like you said he tried to get back on deep like he was he was further back on defense than demarcus cousins like that <laughs> <laughs> perfect um i'll i'm gonna throw sean livingston into here just because the salary is partial guaranteed in the retirement talk do you think he's back or no oh this one's hard um because i think the, the absence of those two guys probably impacts this but i'm gonna say no I tend to agree. I do think it's more, just as it's more likely that Durant comes back now, I do think it's more likely that he's back because of everything that happened. DeMarcus Cousins, this really shouldn't be an interesting question, and maybe it's not, but it also kind of is. I, I'm going to say no on this one. I know he said last night, yeah, I'm open to running it back, but... Um, Dude needs money I, after taking the 5.3. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he's elsewhere. Uh, and they're only, again, we're, we're expecting them only to have the, tax, the mini mid-level, which is $5.7 million as their best Another, building tool. Another question on Boogie before we move on. What What is his market going to be this summer? Did he help or hurt himself in the finals? The big man market is going to be so interesting to me. It's brutal. There's just the teams that need bigs aren't, a lot of them are either aren't at the point where they should be paying someone a, a substantial amount of money. And then there's just centers always get squeezed. I don't think he's going to be, he's not the top center on the market right now. You give that to Vucevic. And if you want to consider Porzingis on the market, how about the fact that uh, Valanchunas opted out too? That was a little surprising to me. It makes me think that he's going back to the Grizzlies, though, because I don't, I don't yeah. unless unless he thinks that the Kings are going to give him like a multi-year deal worth substantially more, because everyone's pointing to the Kings as the team that might spend on a center. Uh, but even Dwayne Dedman's out there, and he's really good. There's just no yeah. obvious team for me for Boogie unless the Lakers strike out on everybody and want to give him like a balloon one or two year deal. Yeah, I could see that too. I've actually thought about them as a potential destination, but I had the same caveat. It's like the only way they're going to do that is if they whiff on a bunch of other people. And I, I think the closer we get to um, the draft, the the more it looks like Anthony Davis is going to be there. And even I guess you could throw the Clippers into the same like situation if they strike see, out on everyone. They have Harold, but I don't know. And they yeah, have and I think maybe they want to bring him back, but I would be pretty surprised if the Clippers signed him to be honest um just because i i think they're a little bit more of a modern thinking franchise right now and i'm just not sure demarcus cousins is like your modern type of five um Maybe. i don't know it's it's gonna be so interesting to see what happens with those guys i'm just i'm i'm looking at the teams and there's 
just no like Dallas. I, I, Powell's already coming back, and you have Porzingis, and you're not yeah. going to use actual cap space on Boogie. And it's sort of the same situation with Charlotte. Like maybe you'd want him as an alternative to Cody Zeller, but they're going to have no money to spend. Uh, Indiana's cap space doesn't need him. We've already talked about the Clippers and the Lakers. It's not going to Memphis. He uh, Miami would probably love to have him. But again, there's no cap space. And if you're going to yeah. sign at that level again, you might as well go back to the Warriors. Milwaukee might have the non-taxpayers mid-level, but that's $9.2 million. I'm sure he's looking for a deal that's worth more. Uh, uh, there's just there's not a team. He's not going back to New Orleans. The Knicks aren't going to sign him. Uh, even at the Magic, if Vooch leaves, you have Bamba. Uh, Ken Birch is going to be a priority. So, uh there's just there's no obvious fit out there, and more than that, when you if you do go to teams, you can talk yourself into signing them. The question is, are they going to have money to pay him? And if they do, yeah. are they willing to give him more than a one or two year deal? Um, one last quick detour before we keep going to the Warriors free agents. Is there a single center on the market this year that gets the max? No, no. It's maybe Vooch gets a ton of money over the short term, it, it, but if you're asking me if someone signs a th- a deal three years or four years for the max the answer to me is an overwhelming no yeah i think you're right it's crazy i mean think about i mean if you i mean if porzingis counts then maybe maybe him but like you look at the centers on the market if al horford opts in um if porzingis is staying in dallas like we're the best centers are what vooch brooke lopez deadman cousins that's yeah no way uh it's yeah um, moving right along, Quinn Cook. Um, since I've already, I guess I, I feel like I kind of have to say yes. They're, they're going to have to start bringing some bodies back at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I mean, if, especially if Livingston leaves, you're like, there needs to be some back backcourt depth and the Warriors, he's restricted and they have his early bird rights in case. Yeah. And he's not going to sign a huge deal. That's going to force them to walk away. Um, what about Yurebko? Jurebko? I don't even know how you pronounce it. Is it Yunus? Yunus? Jonas? Like, so I, <laughs> I always thought it was Jonas Jurebko. I heard so this I. season that it's Yunus. Yeah, it's like Yunus yeah. Jurebko, or is it Yurebko? He says he doesn't care. So respect him. <laughs> but... Good. Good for him. I'm going to look it up, though. Um, I, I think basketball reference might have it wrong because they say Jonas Jurebko. But I swear I heard somebody say it's Yunus. It was year. him that said it. So All right. Well, that settles it. <laughs> Um, no, I don't think he's back. Kavon Looney, who they have his full bird rights, so paying him won't be an issue. I think he's back, and I, this also brings me back to the center conversation. <laughs> Is there a chance he makes more than Cousins next year? Oh, man. I didn't even think of that. If we're talking just raw, I feel like there's so many potential curveballs to consider because of what if the Warriors just decide to pay him a ton of money for one year or something? But I think... He's easier to fit for other teams than DeMarcus Cousins would be. So I'm going to say there's a chance. Yeah. There's Can you ch- guess where he finished on the Warriors this season and wins over a replacement player? Three. Close. Four. The only guys ahead of him were Curry, Durant, and uh, Draymond Green. Wow, Actually, he's tied with Draymond. So Clay so you were is right. trash is what you're saying. <laughs> Clay is like the ultimate example of we can't always trust these numbers. Um even real plus minus, which is supposed to account uh, for for a few more variables, 
is lower on him than you would think. So if you ever want to throw catch-all metrics in my face, bring up Clay Thompson. <laughs> um, Kevon Looney back, though. I think we, we st- he stays, right? Yeah, I think so. Jordan Bell, restricted free agent with early bird rights. Oh, man. Um, what He had a weird season. I was so high on him after his rookie year. Uh, it seemed like he was going to be a long-term part of this team. And there was even like, oh, he's the next Draymond. He's like a more athletic Draymond. Uh, his numbers were just down across the board this season. Down in rebounding percentage, assist percentage, steal percentage, block percentage was about the same. Um, box best minus just fell off a cliff for him. I, I don't I don't really know what happened. And it seems like Kerr doesn't really trust him anymore. Um, now, having said all that... <laughs> If Cousins is gone, um, I assume Bogut will probably be gone. We'll get to him too. But but we don't need to anymore. I think you just answered that question. Yeah. <laughs> if their only big man is Kevon Looney, then you kind of have to bring Jordan Bell back, I guess. I would counter with he's gone because it'll be easier to approximate his value or exceed it by just surfing the dregs of the center market. Yeah, in free agency. that could be true. Yeah. And the last one. And is uh, Alfonso McKinney is non-guaranteed, and, and he's just back, right? I mean, like he might be their starting small forward next. Year. Yeah, you probably just go ahead and guarantee that one point six million, and um, hope you can develop him into something a little bit. I mean, he—I think he showed some flashes, especially here in the playoffs. He had a couple nice moments, but uh, he he certainly needs some work. The so for them looking to add to this team, the only routes there's there's only one route to me, and that's to the free agency market and you can't even, I don't know that you could hope for ring chasers anymore. You probably have to go for guys who might be willing to sign for less than they could get elsewhere for a chance to really drum up their value. An example of this, and this might actually be a little extreme given how well he played during the playoffs. But if Rodney hood knows that he's going to be their start, uh, he's going to be in the starting lineup for the entire year. Is this a situation where he comes in and says, I'm going to take the mini MLE. And better myself. Uh, he would be very, very interesting there, but I think your preface to that is probably rules him out. I, I think he probably gets a decent offer from someone else. And like you said, t- players won't really look at the Warriors as like a great shot at a ring next season. I think. What What did you think about Woj's little throw in in the tweet about they might not make the playoffs? That's so I was going to get to that after this part, but I. If you give me Stephen Curry and Draymond Green and Kevon Looney fully healthy next year, I'm going to bet on the Warriors getting one of those uh, eight spots in the West. Yeah, I think they're probably in too. Um, but I, I didn't feel like that was a crazy inclusion um, to say that they'll, it's, they'll know, at least have to fight. You know what the other thing is, is that Clay's going to be back next year. If he, I know, I guess he could miss the entire season and maybe – if maybe they don't want to risk it. So I get that. That might actually be stupid for me to say, but if it's an eight to 10 month timetable, he's going back between February and April. And so if you get him April, I guess it's my guess would be, they make the playoffs though. I think it's going to be one of those things where around the eight to 10 months, you start to hear like he might be back, but it never actually happens. Kind of like what happened with Chris Stapp's Porzingis this season. You know, that's, that's the safer route. And I think after their experience with Durant, I wouldn't blame them. Yeah, I think they're going to be extremely cautious. I, he he will probably be fighting to get back on the court because it just seems like he's that kind of a player. But I, th- I think that's clear after games. Yeah. <laughs> um. The so I think you're then 
to I, I was ready for you to shoot down Rodney Hood. I was just now you're looking at guys where you're you're gonna have to go the super cheap veteran route or maybe Kentavious Caldwell Pope. Like that's the type of needs an eighth chance type of player at this <laughs> point. Um, but like you know Jeff Green, Luel Dang, who actually played quite well for the Minnesota Timberwolves when he did play, and we'll we'll yeah. see that. Um, those are the types of like players that they're gonna like that they'll need and not that they'll need, but like, that's, I think those are the types of, I don't even know if you can call their improvements over the depth that they had, but those are the kinds of players that you have to hope you can end up affording. Um, and, and just, I mean, like for center, I know Jeff green could play some small ball center. I'm like, I don't even know what would be a good cheap center for them at this point. Uh, I, I don't even, maybe Markeith Morris, if you want to go small ball five and try and approximate what you do with, with Draymond sometimes there's, but that's the level of free agent that they're going to be looking at. And I don't think that they're really a candidate to pull off a trade unless you really think that this, this run is over and Draymond Green's an expiring contract. That's what I was going to ask actually. Yeah. Sign him. And so uh, maybe Kylo Quinn might be a good, if he's in their price range. And they've, they've, they've thought about him in the past, right? Yeah, I believe so. The one thing I will say Unless you're getting a player that you didn't think you could get with the mini mid level, you have to split this up between two players because you can't just bank on yeah the smaller salaries getting the job done. And so now, I think this is that's probably a good place to wrap it up. Unless you have any other free agency suggestions for them, um, those are my unofficial ones or probably official ones at this point. What does this do to Draymond Green's future with the team? Because it becomes so hard to like adequately value him when he's going to be playing without Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson. I was, I was going to ask the same question that you sort of did is do they, because it's going to be so hard to sign like impact free agents with the amount of money they have. Do you entertain trading him? I don't think they do, but it's something that probably at least gets whispered in the front office. Um, but again, I, I don't, think it happens him him and curry are going to have to be ridiculous next season um and we i think we've seen some indications that he can take on a little bit bigger load i know he didn't score a lot last night but there are games when he i think senses the moment and thinks i have to do more then he ends up with a stat line like he had last night um now he probably had too many turnovers throughout the finals and specifically in game six but i i think there's something in him that clicks that you know other guys are out. I got to do a little bit more and that maybe he's in that mode for most of next season. Um, so I, I think he could have a really, really good year. Another thing that's obviously interesting to me is what does Stephen Curry do next season? Like, is he going to average 30 a game? Um, is there any chance we see something close to like 2015, 16 Stephen Curry? It's going to be a lot harder to do it if you don't have, Clay Thompson there to divert a lot of the attention to the defense, but it, it, they're both going to be a lot of fun to pay attention to and just kind of see what they do without those other two guys there. Stephen Curry might be a good MVP bet next year. I don't know if the Warriors are going to be good enough, but if they are, it's because he's averaging like 45 points a game. Yeah. he, he He's going to have to go crazy, but it's going to be really difficult. Cause like I said, I just having one other guy who defenses have to pay attention to on the perimeter makes a huge difference. Uh, and with the way that the roster is situated right now, I mean, he's going to, not that he didn't already face intense defensive pressure, but it's going to be insane next season. I, I I just don't, It's I'm still almost processing it. 
like this is early morning, like after the, the night after. I'm still the Clay Thompson injury was just blew my mind. Like that news when yeah. I was in the middle of writing on a deadline, I saw it and I was like, oh, I, this changes everything for them. Yeah, that was a that was I when I got the notification on that, I just my heart dropped. I just thought, oh, that's just awful. Have they? I we're. <laughs> They're probably not, if they make the finals next year, I'll be surprised. Maybe Clay Thompson comes stunned. back late. Have yeah. they made their last NBA finals with this core? That's another thing I was thinking about. <laughs> um, it's going to be Curry's age 32 season next year. Let me see. Let me double check that. Curry's, no, it'll be his age 31 season. He does turn next 32 year. next year, though, right? It's just in the spring or something like that. Yeah, it must be after February. Um, Draymond is is getting up close to 30, and it seems like he's maybe already lost like half a step from what he was two or three years ago. Um, even if Thompson's back a, a year away um, from playing and, and he'll be getting closer to 30, other teams are going to be getting better. I think with how big the league is and how much talent, the safer answer is probably no. They don't make another one, right? <laughs> That's just so wild to say. And and I, this is not – I'm not the first person to bring this up either, but it's crazy how quickly things change in the NBA. Things feel inevitable for two or three years until they're just suddenly not. Um, this is not the first time it's happened. I mean, the Lakers were suddenly shut down in 2011 by the Mavericks when it felt like they were going to go a little bit longer. The Heat was shut down, I think, a lot quicker than people realized. Um it just happens time and time and time again. The Lakers again in the early 2000s when they had to split up Shaq and Kobe. Um, there's a lot of examples of this where you think, oh, this team's about to rip off four or five titles. And there there are just so many wrenches that can be thrown into those gears and, and mess things up. And I think <laughs> I think it might have been the last time <laughs> the Warriors in the finals. Like you said, it's crazy to say that, but there are 29 other teams in the NBA right now. And there's so much talent. I think you probably saw that piece for me like a month or two ago about how there were basically, and I think I could have stretched it out even more, but I, I laid out 15 guys this season who put up numbers that were comparable to, or better than the average MVP over the last like 40 seasons. Um, the league is just loaded and the windows are, are, for the most part, going to be pretty short, I think, going forward. It's not like it was in the 60s and 70s when there was 10 to 15 teams. Um, and I think you could probably just pencil in Bill Russell year after year after year. There's there's just too much competition now. Is there – this is my actual last question or the, that we should answer. Is there a clear – if this Warriors window is closed, even if temporarily, but if the, with this court, who is next up? Or is there not an answer to that right now? I don't even want to give you that out. But Yeah. Um, maybe the Raptors, if they keep Kawhi. Um, maybe the Lakers, if they get Anthony Davis. Maybe the Sixers, um, maybe the Bucks. There are so many. Yeah. That field Denver, of- if they add like yeah. one more piece. Um, maybe even if they don't add one more piece. I think internal development could be huge for them. Um, this would be, by the way, crazy. what has transpired, the case against the Rockets overreacting to their loss. This yeah, season. even the Rockets. Like, if they keep it together, who knows what happens with them next season? I'm 100% with you. And it's – if you had to guess, too, have we seen the last game played together 
by Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Stephen Curry. I guess you already yes. answered this because yeah. you think Kevin Durant is gone. Yeah, I think Kevin Durant's gone. So it's the end of that run. Um, and that, and and when we look back on this, it, it's going to be one of the greatest uh, four or five year runs in NBA history. Without uh, for the <laughs> for the last four or five years, they've they've put up some of the best offensive ratings ever, some of the best simple rating systems uh, ever, which is point differential and uh, strength of schedule. Um, the 73 win season, three titles, uh, Stephen Curry has, I think the best individual offensive season of all time in 2016. Um, Durant wins the back to back finals MVPs. He puts up ridiculous numbers the whole time he's there. This, this really is just one of the craziest runs ever. And the fact that it came in this era that I just described earlier with so much talent and so much competition, I think makes it even more impressive. Uh, the, the league is loaded. And to rise to the top of that pile and be in the finals five years in a row is just crazy. Well, here's to speedy and in complete recovery yes. from Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant. And Kevon Looney, too. The dude was playing while missing like a, a yeah. week or two or something, whatever. He, he, yeah, his, his guts throughout the finals and the playoffs were awesome to see, too. Also, shout out um, NBA champion Jeremy Lin. Yeah, got his ring before Melo. Um, and CP3 and hard. <laughs> we can keep going. If you want to uh, talk to us about the Warriors or the Raptors or anything else going on in the NBA, you can find us on Twitter. Dan is at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The sponsor is at NBA underscore math. Our podcast network at Blue Wire Pods. Uh, as always, we encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to the show if you've already done that. Share it with your friends and family. And until next time, we leave you with the shout out to Ben Udri, Kyle Anderson, and the 2019 NBA champion Toronto Raptors. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.